Turn your Bibles with me to Jeremiah chapter 15. Jeremiah chapter 15. Continuing to note here the word of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah. And this chapter continues from uh, the previous chapter. Remember how that in the previous chapter uh, the Lord described how that there would be uh, a famine as part of his judgment upon Jerusalem and Judah and the prophet had made intercession and asked the Lord to uh, deliver them and give them relief and the Lord had uh, told Jeremiah not to pray for the people for their good because God uh, was not going to answer. And here in chapter 15, that uh, sort of theme continues. And I've entitled the message, God Determined to Bring Judgment. But verse 1 of Jeremiah chapter 15, Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people, cast them out of my sight, and let them go forth. And it shall come to pass, if they say unto thee, Whither shall we go forth? Then thou shalt tell them, Thus saith the Lord, Such as are for death to death, and such as are for the sword to the sword, and such as are for the famine to the famine, and such as are for the captivity to the captivity. And I will appoint over them four kinds, saith the Lord, the sword to slay, and the dogs to tear, and the fowls of the heaven, and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. And I will cause them to be removed into all kingdoms of the earth, because of Manasseh the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for that which he did in Jerusalem. For who shall have pity upon thee, O Jerusalem? Or who shall bemoan thee, or who shall go aside to ask how thou doest? Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord, thou art gone backward. Therefore will I stretch out my hand against thee, and destroy thee. I am weary with repenting. And I will fan them with a fan in the gates of the land. I will bereave them of children. I will destroy my people, since they return not from their ways." Their widows are increased to me above the sand of the seas. I have brought upon them against the mother of the young men a spoiler at noonday. I have caused him to fall upon it suddenly and terrors upon the city. She that hath borne seven languisheth. She hath given up the ghost. Her son has gone down while it was yet day. She hath been ashamed and confounded. And the residue of them will I deliver to the sword before their enemies, saith the Lord. Woe is me, my mother, that thou hast borne me a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. I have neither lent on usury, nor men have lent to me on usury, yet every one of them doth curse me. The Lord said, Verily it shall be well with thy remnant. Verily I will cause the enemy to entreat thee well in the time of evil and in the time of affliction. Shall iron break the northern iron and the steel? Thy substance and thy treasures will I give to the spoil without price, and that for all thy sins, even in all thy borders. And I will make thee to pass with thine enemies into a land which thou knowest not, for a fire is kindled in mine anger which shall burn upon you. O Lord, thou knowest, remember me and visit me and revenge me of my persecutors. Take me not away in thy long suffering. Know that for thy sake I have suffered rebuke. Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. I sat not in the assembly of the mockers, nor rejoiced. I sat alone because of thy hand, for thou hast filled me with indignation. Which is, why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuseth to be healed? Wilt thou be altogether unto me as a liar and as waters that fail? Therefore, thus saith the Lord, if thou return, then will I bring thee again, and thou shalt stand before me. And if thou take forth the precious from the vile, 
thou shalt be as my mouth. Let them return unto thee, but return not thou unto them. And I will make thee unto this people a fenced brazen wall, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee to save thee and to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And I will deliver thee out of the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem thee out of the hand of the terrible. Now, again, in the previous chapter, the Lord had said to Jeremiah, you can see it back in verse 10 of the previous chapter, pray not for this people for their good. And in this chapter, the Lord continues to declare that he had determined to bring judgment upon the people because of their sins and wickedness. Specifically, he calls out the wickedness that prevailed during the reign of Manasseh, King Hezekiah's son. We've noted that previously and we'll note it again here in the lesson tonight. No intercession for them, no uh, prayers for them would be accepted. And then we find also that God promised protection to Jeremiah who was persecuted because of the prophecies that he proclaimed by the word of the Lord. Now notice in verse 1, Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people. So resolved was God to bring his wrathful judgment that he had uh, declared upon this wicked and backslidden people of Judah and Jerusalem that even if Moses and Samuel, those outstanding uh, leaders from their past who had uh, time and again uh, interceded with God for backslidden Israel, if they were alive at this time and they had stood before God pleading on their behalf, God would not favor them or turn from his anger. Look in Psalm number 99. God here, he makes this incredible statement that even if these two uh, outstanding prophets of God from their past, if they were there to plead and intercede for the people, God says, I still would not uh, turn from my anger. Psalm 99 and verse 6. Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them that call upon his name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them. Thou answeredst them, O Lord our God. Thou wast the God that forgavest them, though thou tookest vengeance of their inventions. And so you see, these are ones who... Uh, in the word of the Lord are called out as being outstanding ones who called on the Lord and God answered. God forgave the people. And they were famous for their uh, prayers of faith and intercession on the behalf of Israel for the Lord and, he, and obtaining deliverance and forgiveness for them. But so bad was the case is what the implication is now in Jeremiah's day that God said even if those two were living and standing before God on their behalf, God would not be favorable to them. And then he says, cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And so that was the message, right? God is saying, I'm, I'm casting them out. I'm not, in other words, I will not deliver them from the coming judgment. I will not help them. I will cause them to figuratively be removed from my presence by way of the Babylonian captivity. Now, obviously, when God says, cast them out of my sight, right, there's a sense in which uh, this is figurative language because we know it's impossible uh, to be somewhere that God cannot see us. Right? And so what it means is, God, they had forsaken God, and so now God would withdraw His favor and His blessing and His deliverance 
and they would face the punitive judgment that had been determined. This is a terrible thing for God to say, cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. Now, the next verse, the net and the two verses that follow, verses 2, 3, and 4, describe the various uh, ways in which uh, many of them would die and how the rest would go into captivity. But I want you to notice, he says in verse 2, And it shall come to pass, if they say unto thee, Whither shall we go forth? Right? There was, the message was, Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And then if they were to mockingly respond to Jeremiah, whither shall we go forth? Right? Isn't that sad? Such a serious message from God's word and people will respond so flippantly, so mockingly, so disrespectfully, so arrogantly and sarcastically and proudly well, God had an answer for them. He says, Then thou shalt tell them, Thus saith the Lord, such as for death to death, such as for the sword to the sword, and such as for the famine to the famine, and such as are for the captivity to the captivity. Right? That's where they were, that's what they were going to face. That was their future. Famine, sword, death, and captivity. He said, now I will appoint over them in verse 3, four kinds, saith the Lord, the sword to slay and dogs, the dogs to tear and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. And so the Lord here, he tells them, this is what's going to come. This, he said, send them forth or let them go forth. He said, where, where shall we go forth? Well, here was the answer. You know, there's the popular opinion is that, uh, you know, God will only ever, uh, you know, give people basically something they want. I don't see anything in this list that they would have wanted. The reason he says in verse 4, and I will cause them to be removed into all kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for that which he did in Jerusalem. Look in 2 Kings chapter 20. We're going to read some, some background verses, if you will. We've read some of this before. We'll read it again now. But this was, uh, this had occurred uh, in the past. Right? Remember King Hezekiah and then his son Manasseh. Uh, he became king after Hezekiah. And then his son after him. And then Josiah. Because you go back to the beginning of, of the book of Jeremiah. And it says that the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. And it also came in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, under the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah. And so, this was even before Jeremiah was around that this took place as far as Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all the evil that he did. You say, well, why should they suffer all these terrible things because of this fellow back in the past? Because they had not only gone along with it, they were continuing it. And they refused to repent. But notice the last verse of 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 21, and then we're going to read on into the next chapter. He said, And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and Manasseh his son reigned in his stead. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign and reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem and his mother's name was Hephzibah. 
And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed. And he reared up altars for Baal and made a grove as did Ahab king of Israel and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. So he undid the good that his father had done and then he picked as an example the worst king that Israel had ever known of whom the Bible says he sold himself to work iniquity. And he built altars in the house of the Lord of which the Lord said in Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord and he made his son pass through the fire and observed times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards he wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel will I put my name forever. Neither will I make the feet of Israel move any more out of the land which I gave their fathers, only if they will observe to do according to all that I have commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they hearkened not, and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. And that's something he said, they are worse than the Canaanites, the Amorites, whom God cast out from before the children of Israel so they could have the land. And remember what he said? He said they were so bad, the Amorites and the Canaanites, he said that the land was vomiting them out. It couldn't stand them up. Anymore. So wicked they were. And he says, now Manasseh led the people to do even worse than they had done before them. And you say, well, it was his fault. Well, notice it says there, they hearkened not. They. You know, that's the thing. Manasseh was king, he was the leader. Well, they followed him. It says he seduced them. The word seduced means just he led them astray. Right? He led them the wrong way and they went with him the wrong way. You know, if leaders do wrong, that's no excuse for you to do wrong. And there's some folks, you know, everybody gets all worked up about politics. You know what? Maybe you should just stay out of it altogether. Because, you know, you put your vote in there. Or you get all, you know, concerned about that. You know, the major I don't know of a single problem that we're facing today that's going to be solved by any elected leader. Because the problems don't come from there. The problems come from here. They come from the hearts. But we see here that they, they went along with this wicked king. In verse 10, And the Lord spake by his servants the prophets, saying, Because Manasseh king of Judah hath done these abominations, and hath done wickedly above all that the Amorites did which were before him, and hath made Judah also to sin with his idols, therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whosoever heareth of it, both his ears shall tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab. That wasn't good because what happened to, to, the, to Samaria and the house of Ahab? They were wiped out. That was the northern kingdom. They were, they were carried away while Hezekiah was still king before Manasseh. 
And the house of Ahab was wiped out. There, was no, there were no survivors of the house of Ahab. He said, and I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And I will forsake the remnant of mine inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies because they have done that which was evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came forth out of Egypt even unto this day. Moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another beside his sin, wherewith he made Judah to sin in doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, skip forward to the next chapter, 2 Kings 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Bosketh. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Now, I'm not going to read all of this, but you skip to the next chapter, chapter 23. You know that Josiah, he led a revival and his heart was broken because of when he uh, read the words of the Lord and knew that they were... Uh, had provoked the Lord to great wrath, and he was tender-hearted before the Lord. But notice in verse uh, 25 of 2 Kings 23, it says, And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. Notwithstanding, the Lord turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah because of all the provocations that Manasseh had provoked him withal. And the Lord said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight as I have removed Israel and will cast off this city Jerusalem which I have chosen and the house which, of which I said my name shall be there. So see, even though they had a king like Josiah who was so outstanding, it says there wasn't a king like him before or after who turned to the Lord with all his heart and all his might to do all the things that were commanded in the word of God. And yet God said, I'm still not going to turn away from the fierceness of my great wrath. Now it didn't come while Josiah was alive. It's been said how much evil one bad man can cause. That's true, isn't it? How much evil one bad man can cause. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. That's true. You get uh, one, one bad leader and they don't have to be in an official position with some kind of title necessary to be a leader. You know what it takes to be a leader? Other people following you. But you see, uh, one sinner destroyeth much good. That's why you got need to be very careful. The sins of Manasseh, which became the sins of the people, had far-reaching and long-lasting consequences. Oh, let us be mindful of the seeds we are sowing. You know, we often, we just dismiss so many things. You're, what you do today has far-reaching consequences beyond tomorrow. And yet everything is... People do everything so thoughtlessly, so uh, flippantly, so arrogantly. They make uh, their mind up on such foolish uh, and silly and unbiblical reasonings. You know, 
we need to be mindful of the seeds we are sowing. Are they going to issue in blessing or cursing? Life or death? Righteousness or wickedness? Now in verses 5 and 6, he said, For who shall have pity upon thee, O Jerusalem? Or who shall bemoan thee? Or who shall go aside to ask how thou doest? Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord. Thou art gone backward. Therefore will I stretch out my hand against thee and destroy thee. I am weary with repenting. You see, it was the Lord who in the past had pity on them and had shown compassion toward them and who had heard and been moved by their groanings, was with them in their afflictions, but they had forsaken the Lord. Now he says, who's going to have pity on you now? Who's going to bemoan thee? Or be concerned about you? He said, who's going to turn us, go aside to ask how thou doest? He says, who's going to care about you? He says, you've forsaken me. Remember what Jesus said there in the Gospels when he looked upon Jerusalem, he said, how often? He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that uh, stonest the prophets and killest them that are sent unto thee. He said, how often would I have had gathered thee as, a, as that uh, mother hen gathers her chicks or her brood under her wings, but ye would not Look in Psalm number 78. Psalm 78. Verse 36. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. And then the very next verse, how oft did they provoke him? All right, and so the Lord says, well, this has been the pattern you provoke, I forgive. You provoke, I forgive. You provoke, I forgive. Now he says, I am weary with repenting. We need to not despise the long-suffering and the compassions of the Lord. In verse 7, 8 and 9, the severity of the judgment is described says, I will fan them with a fan in the gates of the land. So he uses the picture here of how they would, you know, thresh out the grain. And he says, I'm going I'm to thresh them. And he said, I will bereave them of children. I will destroy my people since they return not from their ways. Their widows are increased to me above the sand of the seas. I have brought upon them against the mother of the young men a spoiler at noonday. I have caused him to fall upon it suddenly and terrors upon the city. She that hath borne seven languisheth. She hath given up the ghost. Her son has gone down while it was yet day. She hath been ashamed and confounded, and the residue of them will I deliver to the sword before their enemies, saith the Lord. And so he describes the severity of the judgment and particularly how many would die, even the young men and the husbands, they would leave behind grieving widows and broken hearted mothers. It's striking how he uses the language here. He said their widows are increased to me above the sand of the seas. Remember how the children of Israel were supposed to be like the sand of the sea for multitude? Being so blessed of God well, instead, he says they're going to be a nation of grieving widows and mothers so that the widows would be more in number than the sands of the sea, proverbially. He says even a mother who's had seven children, 
she'll, she'll lose them all. And be bereft and brokenhearted. They had not gloried in the Lord. And now that in which they had gloried would be taken away. You know, in reality, they took their... When people forsake the Lord, you know what they do? They take their children for granted is what they do. Because they do not regard them as being an heritage of the Lord. This would... Can you imagine the sorrow, the anguish? Notice here in verses 10 and 11. Woe is me, my mother... That thou hast borne me a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. And now, this is Jeremiah speaking. Right? He begins to, uh, to complain here how that he is basically alone and friendless and everybody hates him. I mean, for lack of a better way of putting it. He says, Woe is me, my mother, that thou hast borne me a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. He's like, he's like, the whole earth is against me. Everybody in the world hates me. He said, I have neither lent on usury nor men have lent to me on usury. Right? That was the practice of loaning out money and charging interest, which they weren't supposed to do in the first place. And, I mean, did you ever owe anybody money? You know, it's not a, it's not a comfortable uh, condition to be in, right? Or if somebody owes you money, and then you're, you know, well, you want your money. You know, but he said, he said, I, this isn't, he just uses that as an example, right? He says, yet every one of them doth curse me. He said, I haven't done anything against anyone, but they all curse me, he said. And so here was God's answer. The Lord said, Verily it shall be well with thy remnant. Verily I will cause the enemy to entreat thee well in the time of evil and in the time of affliction. So because he was giving out the words of the Lord, all were his enemies and opposed to him and cursed him. But the Lord promised that the, the remnant of his life or the the end of his life would be well. And in fact, the Babylonians would treat him well when they invaded and, and destroyed Jerusalem and took it captive. He says, I will make uh, them and treat thee well. What did Jesus say? <clears throat> Look again in Matthew chapter 5. Wasn't that long ago, and we noted these uh, verses on Sunday morning, verses 11 and 12. He said, Blessed are you, and men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We find here that. Uh, the Lord, he answers those who rejected the words of the Lord that were delivered by Jeremiah and persecuted Jeremiah. In verse 12, he says, Shall iron break the northern iron and the steel? You see, they, were, they hardened themselves like iron against the words of the Lord that Jeremiah uh, prophesied to them. But he says there's some... some, uh, some some better iron, and in fact, there's some steel coming from the north. You won't be able to stand up against it. He said, thy substance and thy treasures will I give to the spoil without price, and that for all thy sins, even in all thy borders. Right, God said, I'm just going to give, everything you've got, is gonna, you're going to lose. And, and he said, without price. He says, I'm not even going to sell it. And get anything out of it for myself. I'm just going to let you let it all be taken. And he said, and I will make thee to pass with thine enemies into a land which thou knowest not. 
For a fire is kindled in mine anger which shall burn upon you. And so God here, he, this was his response to those uh, who were uh, contentious toward and cursing Jeremiah. And then in verse uh, 15 through 21, we see Jeremiah's prayer to God for deliverance from his persecutors and God's answer in which he exhorts and admonishes Jeremiah to be faithful and promises him protection and deliverance. Verse 15, O Lord, thou knowest. You know, have you ever, have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever prayed that? God, you know. It should be comforting and encouraging to remind ourselves that the Lord knows our trials and our afflictions, our infirmities, our reproaches, our needs, our troubles. Right? It's like we noted there, Jesus said, your heavenly Father knows what you have need of before you ask him. He knows what's going on. Sometimes we say, you know, and Jeremiah is saying, Lord, thou knowest. And sort of it's kind of like, why aren't you doing anything about it? Right? Because that's how we feel, isn't it? Like, Lord, you know this is going on. Why don't you do something about it? But it should comfort us that the Lord knows. And it should be even more comforting and encouraging then when we can take all those things, our trials, our afflictions, our infirmities, our reproaches, our needs, our troubles, to him in prayer and cast all our cares upon him. And if you are persecuted, because he goes on and says, remember me and visit me and revenge me of my persecutors. Take me not away in thy long suffering. Know that for thy sake I have suffered rebuke. Right? You can, the best thing to do with those that trouble you, that persecute you, is to tell the Lord about them. That's the best thing to do. The next verse, he said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. No one should have so great an interest or delight in the words of God as God's people who are called by his name. And nothing will rejoice the heart of a child of God so much as the word of God. Isn't that something? He says, I'm being persecuted, I'm suffering rebuke, and then the very next verse, he says, your word is rejoicing in my heart. We have that in our Christian experience. But we find that nothing will rejoice the heart of a child of God so much as the word of God. The scriptures will never afford the precious and needed blessing to us unless we appropriate and partake of them personally, eagerly, and believingly. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. You leave out the first part, and you'll never get the second part. Right? The scriptures will not be to you what they ought to be until you appropriate and partake of them personally, eagerly, and believingly. There's important instruction for us in the scriptures and how often God's word is compared to food. I mean, I don't know any of you who go to the refrigerator or the cupboard get the food out, you know, when it's meal time or snack time or I just have a hankering time and set it out on the table or the counter, you know, and just kind of look at it and then put it back. Then go back to whatever you were doing or go sit down or, you know, you don't do that, do you? No, you eat it. In fact, some of you, you got some foods, you know, sitting pretty close to you, so you don't even have to get up and go to the kitchen. You don't have to go to the cupboard or refrigerator. You got some right there by you. 
And you eat it. Thy words were found, now you eat them. First thing is find them and then eat them. And then it'll be the joy and rejoicing of your heart. But not until then. Why do you think the Lord said, man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The psalmist said, that God's word was sweeter to him than the honey out of the honeycomb. Now, though Jeremiah's heart rejoiced because of the word of God, which he gladly received by faith and which guided him, so that he did not join in with those who mocked and scorned and who were happiest when they were living in obedience to God, he still experienced brokenheartedness inwardly and persecution and loneliness outwardly. Notice he said in verse 17, I sat not in the assembly of the mockers, nor rejoiced. I don't know, what's the Bible say about the blessed man? He, he uh, doesn't walk in the way of the ungodly or, or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. Right? Jeremiah says, I didn't, I didn't sit in the assembly of the mockers nor rejoiced, right? There were those who, they mock at the word of God and they uh, uh, make a mockery of sin. They say, all oh, sin's no, not a problem. It's no big deal. And they, they rejoice in iniquity and in living in disobedience to God. Well, Jeremiah didn't sit with them. Where did he sit? He says, I sat alone because of thy hand, for thou hast filled me with indignation. He wouldn't sit with the mockers and those who uh, you know, were having a grand time living in disobedience to God, so he was sitting by himself. Look back in uh, chapter 1 of Jeremiah, verses 18 and 19. last two verses of chapter 1 he said for behold I have made thee this day a defensed city and an iron pillar and brazen walls against the whole land against the kings of Judah against the princes thereof against the priests thereof and against the people of the land and they shall fight against thee but they shall not prevail against thee for I am with thee saith the Lord to deliver thee the Lord told Jeremiah this is how it's going to be Jeremiah felt alone and helpless. He was discouraged. Well, he did what we ought to do at all such times. He poured out his heart unto the Lord. Next verse he said in verse 18 of Jeremiah 15, Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuseth to be healed? Would thou be altogether unto me as a liar and as waters that fail? The idea is here he uses... Uh, when he says a liar and waters that fail, he's talking about like a, a brook or a stream of water that dries up. Right? There's a promise of uh, uh, supply and refreshment, but then it dries up. Jeremiah's saying, Lord, I'm, I'm feeling lonely and I'm persecuted and I'm discouraged. Did you ever tell the Lord that, that you're discouraged? You might as well, if you are. What are you going to do, lie to Him? Aren't you supposed to pour out your heart unto the Lord? Why don't you tell Him the truth? Tell Him when you're discouraged. Tell Him when you're happy. Tell Him when you're sad. Tell Him when you're scared. Tell Him when you're worried. Tell Him when you don't know what to do. He already knows you don't know what to do. So tell him, Lord, I don't know what to do. Please help me. Please guide me. And if you've done that, uh, you may have to do it again. Notice here, God, he encourages Jeremiah with the refreshing and reassuring of his promises. Verse 19, therefore, thus saith the Lord, 
If thou return, then will I bring thee again, and thou shalt stand before me. And if thou take forth the precious from the vial, thou shalt be as my mouth. Let them return unto thee, but return not thou unto them. You see, he's telling Jeremiah, he said, Jeremiah, you have to be faithful in order to be uh, my mouthpiece. He said, you need to uh, return. He said, now I'll bring thee again. He said, and take forth the precious from the vial. Right? There was a, the work of God's word. Remember, Jeremiah was supposed to be God's mouthpiece, giving out God's word. What's, what is the work of God's word? Well, it's to purify, to cleanse, to sanctify, to consecrate the people of God. He said, you take forth the precious from the vial. Right? Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Were there any that were listening to Jeremiah? There were some. You couldn't tell who they were. They were in a vast minority. God was doing a, a sifting and refining work, separating the precious from the vile. He tells Jeremiah, he says, let them return unto thee, but return not thou unto them. Right? He says, he says they follow you and you're, you're preaching, Jeremiah, that's okay. He said, don't you follow them. You know, there's a lot of preachers they, get, they start to get you know, a little fretful, a little discouraged, a little worried you know, that their ministry is not going to be successful. You know what they do? They start following the people. When Jesus said to Simon Peter, said, feed my lambs and feed my sheep, he didn't say, follow them. He said, feed them. The shepherd doesn't follow the flock. The flock follows the shepherd. No ministry can succeed by compromise or by trying to please the flesh. Every ministry must depend upon the Lord for protection and provision, blessing and leadership. The Lord said in verse 20, I will make thee unto this people a fenced brazen wall. That's what he said back in chapter 1. So he's reminding Jeremiah again. He says you're going to be like a fenced brazen wall in other words they can't they aren't going to be able to defeat you Jeremiah said and they shall fight against thee but they shall not prevail against thee for I am with thee to save thee and to deliver thee saith the Lord and I will deliver thee out of the hand of the wicked and I will redeem thee out of the hand of the terrible I am with thee saith the Lord that's the only thing that makes any ministry worthwhile the only thing. It didn't matter how wicked or how uh, terrible, as he says here, or in other words, how, how mighty they were, how high up in authority those were who opposed the Word of God. God would deliver and redeem His faithful servant out of their hands. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now this is still true. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Or some uh, render it, the Lord will reward him according to his works. So see, here was this person that did a lot of bad things to Paul. And Paul said, the Lord's going to take care of him. And he says, of whom be thou where also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. Right? He was one that wouldn't, wouldn't listen to the word of God. He says, at my first answer or defense, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Right? When Paul, when he had to stand bef uh, there before kings and emperors and he was charged, you know, like a criminal. He says, nobody, nobody stood with me. 
He says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so you see, that's who servants of the Lord must rely on is the Lord. I mean, and it can get pretty bad. I mean, Paul, he was, he was on trial for his life and they would have thrown him to the lions. That's why I said I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Proverbially, the, the devil who goes about as a roaring lion and literally from some lions that would have eaten him. It don't matter which one you think is worse. The devil's really the worst one. But you see, and the Lord told, told Jeremiah, I will deliver thee out from them. I'm with thee to save thee and deliver thee. And so the Lord here, he encourages Jeremiah. You know why sometimes you're not encouraged? Because you don't go to the Lord for your encouragement. You don't go to his word for your encouragement. You go to everybody else and everything else. I know, I understand what we want is we want something to change, to be the way we want it. That's what, how we are, right? We want our circumstances to change to be the way we want it to be. Well, you know what has, you know what has to change for circumstances to change? People have to change. And you know what changes people? The word of God. And you and I, we're supposed to willingly and gladly be changed by the word of God. We're supposed to every day be wanting God's word to more and more make us over into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Right? Now, other people may not want that. They may not be interested. They may be like those that Jeremiah couldn't sit with because they were mockers and they, all they wanted to do was uh, have fun. And God's word to them was a hindrance to their having fun. But it was the joy and rejoicing of Jeremiah's heart. And so may the Lord help us that we'll do his will and look to him. May the Lord bless you.